Hi everyone and welcome to Superwoman Wellness. I'm Dr. Taz. I've made it my mission throughout my career in integrative medicine to support women in restoring their health using a blend of Eastern medical wisdom with modern science. In this show, I will guide you through different practices to find your power type and fully embody the healthiest and most passionate version of you. I'm here for you and I can't wait to get started. This is a Soul Fire production. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Superwoman Wellness, where you know we are determined to bring you back to your superpowered self. Now, here today is a guest that I am so honored to have. I know her, and she's talking about our brains. That's right. So many of you come to me and tell me that you're losing focus, you're losing energy, you used to be able to run a meeting, and now you're searching for words. Well, don't despair. Dr. Uma Nadu is here. I'm going to tell you a little bit about her. She's a Harvard-trained nutritional psychiatrist, don't see many of those, professional chef and nutrition specialist who wrote the recent National best-selling book, This Is Your Brain on Food. She founded and directs the first hospital-based nutritional psychiatry service in the United States and is the director of nutritional and metabolic psychiatry at Massachusetts General Hospital and director of nutritional and lifestyle psychiatry at the MGH Academy while serving on the faculty of Harvard Medical School. She's just a little bit busy. Dr. Emma is regarded as the U.S. pioneer in the groundbreaking area of nutritional psychiatry. She's also a regular expert resource for the media and has appeared in the Wall Street Journal, the Boston Globe, Goop, and more. She's had appearances on ABC, Live with Kelly and Ryan, and the Today Show. Welcome to the show, Dr. Uma. I'm thrilled to have you here. Thanks so much, Dr. Taz. It's always lovely to talk to you. Absolutely. So brain health, I feel like is our next public health crisis, to be quite honest. And I think if anything, you and I had talked in the past, but if anything, this pandemic has only brought it more so to the surface, not because of COVID necessarily, but because of the tremendous toll and strain the pandemic has taken on everyone, the reliance on, on different medications, the accelerating anxiety and depression rates. Mm. I feel like for children and adults, this is our biggest crisis. And I see it over and over again in the practice. What inspired you to go in the direction of nutritional psychiatry versus sticking to the world of psychiatry as you know it? Well, thank you, uh, Dr. Taz, and I couldn't, couldn't agree with you more just about the statistics and, and mental health uh, being in crisis and being the silent pandemic. You know, for me, it, it really stemmed back to my childhood, uh, sort of South Asian background, being raised by um, my grandparents during the day when my mom was in medical school, but really being around food. My grandmother would prepare, you know, fresh dishes from scratch, vegetables from the garden. Mm -hmm. I'd be hanging around. I learned yoga and meditation from them. And on weekends, I'd learned baking from my mom. Interesting thing here is I really didn't learn how to cook until later because, again, coming from that large sort of family, everyone else was cooking. Right. But I was around food and I was around the conversation uh, of medicine and science with, with medical practitioners in the family, but Ayurvedic practitioners as well. And that holistic side of me then really kicked in and I brought that forward in psychiatry because when I started to learn about psychopharmacology, I felt that there were so many devastating side effects, but why, why weren't there more options for feeling better? You know, not just, not just a medication. And I started to ask those questions and it really was a, a very poignant moment early on in my career where I learned that translating information um, around a lifestyle change and nutrition to a patient can be very powerful. 
And that really led me on the path and convinced me that if I can do more of this, it would be a more comprehensive way to practice. And I sort of continued to ask the questions until certain things caught up, you know, over the last year, a decade and a half, the gut brain research has, has caught up. And so the gut brain connection explains the food mood connection. And as research emerged and my interest continued, it was really a way that I felt was, was a more holistic, integrated and functional way to approach psychiatry. Mm. So not just a prescription pad and not just therapies, all of those have their place, but I also feel people need some lifestyle changes and nutrition is at the top of the list. So when we talk about nutrition for brain health, you know, and it's, it's such a topic that I think now as time has gone by, people get, but they still don't know how to put into action. What mm -hmm. are the biggest nutritional holes you see when it comes to brain health today? You know, what are you seeing as just consistent deficiencies, mm -hmm. things that if we just added in would really make a difference in our overall brain chemistry? You know, I think, Dr. Taz, it's not only a great question, but I think that sometimes we uh, we do need supplementation and we need, need to fill in some gaps. But more often, what I'm seeing is a tendency to think that people are eating healthy food, but they actually aren't. Mm. Our reliance on processed and ultra-processed food is very large in this country. So people, it's very hard to avoid those foods. So this right. is not a judgment, it's just a right. comment. And I think our awareness of them becomes really important. So added and added uh, sugars, processed and ultra processed foods, a reliance on sort of frozen dinners and sort of fast food meals and takeout meals all bring back those unhealthy uh, components of nutrition to our diet. And I think it's really starts there. How can we sort of clean up the kitchen? I mean, uh, uh, clean up our kitchen, but it doesn't mean you have to cook, but you can learn some neat tricks to make simple, easy meals at home. Mm -hmm. It starts there. And I think the things that are lacking in our diet are enough plants and vegetables and fruit. Um, in other words, fiber, because you can only get fiber, which nurtures the gut microbes from uh, fruit, vegetables, beans, nuts, seeds, legumes, healthy whole grains. Now, some people consume those, some people don't. But that actually is one of the cornerstones, one of the pillars of really nutrition and mental health. Um, so reliance on the wrong types of foods, uh, not having enough of the, the fiber in our foods. And then, you know, uh, I think that we tend to be steered by a diet culture in this country. Right. Weight loss is number one as the goal for people. And I think that rather than think about food just as, a, as the food in our plate as a complete meal, people tend to get messages to exclude or include certain things. Let's focus on a certain type of diet. And I think that can lead people astray hmm. because they, they, they find it hard to sustain those because those are not lifestyle changes. They are usually quite often just a fad um, that you know work for a certain amount of time. And I'm not talking about stuff that's backed by research and stuff. I'm more talking about, you know, let's try the cookie diet or let's let's do, you know, let's give up this food group because that'll help you to lose weight. It's more uh, listening to your body and paying attention to the fact that our microbiome is so unique. Gotcha. Well, that makes sense. I heard fiber is something that many of us are lacking, fruits and vegetables as well. Are there other areas that you feel like are missing when it comes to nutrition and, and the way we're all eating nowadays? Absolutely. So, you know, I think that people don't necessarily pay attention to pre and probiotics. Um, so prebiotics can be obtained through simple foods like the Allium family, garlic, leek, onions, beans, oats, several of those. Then there's also uh, fermented foods. So every culture has fermented foods and 
it turns out these are super healthy for our gut. Why? A happy gut and a healthy gut is a happy, calm mood mm. because that gut brain connection helps us. So adding in those simple foods becomes important. People, you know, roll their eyes when I say eat a leafy green salad uh, and eat the colors of the rainbow. But, you know, the folate in leafy greens is extremely important in mental health because low folate is associated with depression as well as the loss of brain cells. The colorful plant polyphenols in an array of colorful veggies um, actually bring back food to the microbes again, plus the antioxidant and anti-inflammatory, all powerful tools in mental health. Mm -hmm. uh, so all of those become important as well. Then you have the omega-3s, plant-based or seafood-based, uh, important for brain health, for cognition, for lowering anxiety. Um, and then, you know, my, my secret weapon is always spices. We, we have so many spices in our spice cabinet that we actually can tap into for those mood-boosting, anxiety-relieving properties with turmeric and with a pinch of black pepper being one of them. I love that. And so let's break down this food mood connection a little bit more. Is it all about the gut brain connection? Is it all the microbial balance and how it influences the neurotransmitter? Help explain that to someone listening sure. who's like, what is, what is the connection? Explain it Ab to me. Absolutely. And it's not an obvious connection. And, you know, although Hippocrates spoke about this connection many, many centuries ago, the reality is the research had to catch up. The gut and brain exist uh, in the body, in different parts of the body, and so you wouldn't think they're connected, but they rise from the exact same cells in the human embryo, which then divide up and form these organs. So they have the same origin. Then these two organs that remain connected by the 10th cranial nerve, the vagus nerve, which I like to call a two-way superhighway because it transmits chemical messages in both directions all the time between these two organs. Many people know about selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors like Prozac or Zoloft, and 90% of the receptors for serotonin are made in, and found at the gut. So another connection right there. Um, and then I think for these times, it's important for us to know that 70% of our immune system is in the gut. Mm -hmm. So this gut-brain connection is certainly one of the very big components that explains the food-mood connection. Um, I, I spoke about a holistic, integrated, and functional approach. So many other things, exercise, hydration, mindfulness, spending outdoor time, many other things all come into it. But in fact, that gut-brain connection helps us understand that the food we eat and the breakdown products can impact our mental well-being. Mm -hmm. And very simply, on a day that you're eating a healthier meal, the microbes are fed healthier nutrients and they have healthier breakdown products. And the opposite is true when we kind of go for more unhealthy. Well, I think that is all such helpful information. And you talked about the pandemic uh, some, or we talked about it some in the beginning here. How has that impacted mental health and what is the food solution maybe to some of that or what do people need to be doing as, as they're experiencing more of these mental health symptoms? I'll start with where I think things are at. And I think that, you know, mental health uh, numbers are on the rise and uh, across several conditions, anxiety, depression, insomnia, um, you know, problems with substance abuse and other things mm -hmm. as well. I think it's time for us to, you know, take a deep breath and maybe reset um, where we're at in terms of how we can impact our mental well-being. I'm not saying it's easy. It, if you're not feeling good, it's very hard to do. But food is something we all do. We eat several meals a day, or at least many, all of us are eating. So why not use something that's literally at the end of our fork to impact our, um, our, our well-being, our mental well-being? Over the course of the pandemic, what we noticed was that processed food sales were on the rise at the beginning. 
people, some people really leaned into cooking more at home. Others just relied, relied heavily on takeout or frozen dinners and processed foods. And I think it was a mix of different things. People were also understandably stressed. So, you know, we're not, we're not trying to, to blame one another for this. This was a very hard time. Um, prescriptions for new medications uh, were on the rise for things like anxiety, insomnia, and depression. By about middle of last year, Zoloft went on shortage, first time in my entire career. Wow. So obviously, people people were struggling. Um, by the middle of last year, in the summer, the CDC released statistics that 11% of Americans were thinking about suicide, which is a very scared, scary number. And I think that what COVID did was it shone the light on pre-existing conditions and metabolic health in the sense that those individuals either succumbed to COVID or had worse outcomes when they did survive. And mental health was mixed into that because we find that individuals who did survive have a higher rate of mental health uh, uh, problems. And so that's another factor that kind of got thrown in. So I think if, if we were to just take a step back right now and try to figure out that we, we entering a new school year, we are entering, you know, uh, kids are going back to college. It's, it's all of this, this, this phase of life. And is it time for us to rethink what we're doing in our kitchen? Is it time to, you know, cut back a little bit on the, on the eating, uh, ordering out or the processed uh, dinners, the frozen food dinners, that type of stuff. Um, and, and just, you know, start with some simple meal planning at home that could be better for all of us in the family. I mean, I think that's that's so helpful. I didn't realize that Zoloft went on shortage. I think I even found myself, and I hardly write a lot of mental health prescriptions, but I even found myself yeah. writing more in this last year than I remember doing historically. So it's definitely an issue. Now we've talked about the foods to bring in, right? The fiber, the plant-based foods, the omega-3s, you know, getting more of the protein in, getting some of these things mm -hmm. into the diet. Uh, what are common foods that trigger more anxiety? Because we want to kind of give us give everyone a do and don't list. And then yes. uh, from there, we'll jump into like, here's the way to make this actionable. What are some of the foods that you find most commonly triggering anxiety and depression? Absolutely. So we'll start with um, things like artificial sweeteners. A lot of people mm -hmm. will talk to me about um, having a problem to eating too much sugar. And, you know, they'll might lean on either diet soda or sugar-free something, you know, a sugar-free product. But artificial sweeteners, unfortunately, there are some very, very new ones that are being studied. But, you know, traditionally, the ones that we know, unfortunately, worsen anxiety and depression, and they're disruptive to the gut microbes. Uh, so having too much of that may not be a good thing. Then the processed, ultra-processed sort of junk foods, the additives, the preservatives, the colorants, the dyes, all of that stuff just isn't isn't good for our mental health. Um, things uh, things like processed vegetable oils, which very frequently are in fast food restaurants because they it's a way to save money, and those oils are pro-inflammatory. So when they're pro-inflammatory, they're setting up that gut for our gut environment for more inflammation and more inflammation in the gut. Ultimately, with that loop between the gut and brain will feed back to neural inflammation or brain inflammation. And then the wrong types of fats, you know, trans fats are one of them. Trans fats have been associated with behavioral aggression. Mm -hmm. So, you know, being aware of where you're getting your fats from. So healthy fats from uh, um, extra virgin olive oil or nuts, uh, seeds, as well as um, avocado, things like that become important. 
So I didn't realize artificial sugars were such a big trigger for anxiety and depression yeah. um, because I talk about sugar as being a trigger and alcohol right. as being a trigger. And right. so that's, yeah, they are. Yeah. that's one that's interesting for sure. So, and then the type of fat, like the trans fats, which again, are going to be in those packaged goods or those canned goods, right? Um, more right. Less than if you're walking around the perimeter of the store. Of the supermarket, yes. Right, so, okay. So we know the foods to bring in, we know the foods to take out. What, as a chef, are your three favorite meal prepping hacks? I can share mine, I can go first. Mine okay. is on a weekend, I will use, usually plan out at least three meals and three lunches. Mm-hmm. So I'll have like stuff marinated, greens chopped up, maybe stuff to mm-hmm. just grab and go. Um, so that's mine, but I'll actually spend maybe 30 minutes to an hour thinking about the meals of the week. What's yours? So some pretty straightforward things. I find that breakfast is the most difficult meal uh, huh. in my family because it, it, unless you're going to eat, you know, processed uh, right. some cereal, you know, it's, it, it takes a little bit of, of thought. And um, so I love chia pudding. I, I make a batch uh, on, on the weekend. I try out different spices in it. I sweeten it with cinnamon and nuts and berries. So I either, and I actually use frozen berries. It turns out that, you know, frozen wild blueberries have more antioxidants. So I keep those in the freezer. It doesn't have to always be fresh. Um, and so that's one of my go-tos. And uh, then the other uh, the other meal prep is I always have a ton of veggies prepped in the fridge because if they're prepped, I have no excuse not to have a put together a great salad. Yeah. So it's those leafy greens, the colorful veggies. But what I do is I wash and prep them. So if I'm between podcasts or between um, uh, clients, I can literally toss together a salad. And I always, along with that, have a little uh, mason jar of a vinaigrette of my I try to change it up every week. So it's interesting. Mm-hmm. That's that's just to me makes it easier to build in. And then I like dinner to be my canvas because I enjoy cooking. And so I have a few things prepped. I have cauliflower steaks prepped, but you know, I'll use a tandoori spice in it. And so I'll have a cauliflower steak with tandoori spices marinated. So it has a, a different flavor or I'll, uh, you know, make whatever the protein of choice is, use my spices as uh, sort of almost in a playful, creative way. And that's part of the enjoyment. But I have some of those, whatever I'm making for dinner, prepped ahead. So all they need is some seasoning, um, you know, some onions, garlic, leeks, or something like that to get the get the meal started. So those, that's where I get through by having a ton of stuff prepped and then choosing uh, my salad for the day and, and, and something like for dinner. And, and I have, um, by having the veggies prepped, I can steam them easily roast them easily. Uh, in winter, I make a soup easily. So yeah. so it helps for a few different things, as, as you well know. I love that. I love having the veggies kind of out there and, and ready to go. And, and do you put them in like little bowls in the fridge or in little uh, Ziplocs or what are, you, what are you doing there? I I do. So I am a big believer in, in as when you can, and this is not always easy, is using glass containers when I can. So I had them prepped and I find they last longer. Mm -hmm. Uh, I had them, you know, all the different colors and and that type of stuff. So that makes it easier for me. If I'm freezing stuff, um, you know, I will often use, uh, there are now these new silicone bags, which are BPA free. And I find those pretty easy because they're reusable. So they're sustainable. They're neat, neat trick. If you say making, um, you know, making something, another one that if people eat eggs are the little mini, mini frittatas. You can make a batch 
in a cupcake pan on a weekend and freeze them mm -hmm. in batches of say four, say, you know, you have four members in your family. So I use those little bags for that as well. And then also have Ziploc bags on hand because you always run out of something. Absolutely. I love those tips. Well, any other last minute advice for keeping our brains healthy, our children's brains healthy? What, what would you say to everybody out there listening today? Uh, two things. I would say lean into your spice cabinet mm -hmm. and up your veggie intake for, for everyone in the family. Because, you know, if kids are helping to prep, having those veggies and hummus or nut and seed uh, butter that they can dip, all easy to do and everyone benefits. I love it. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. If anyone wants to connect with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Thanks, Dr. Tez. You can follow me on social media at D-R-U-M-A-N-A-I-D-O-O. -O. Please subscribe to my website where you'll get my newsletter and lots of other information. That's umanaidumd.com. And you'll also find a link to, my, link to my book called This Is Your Brain on Food. Fantastic. Well, we thank you again. And for everyone watching this episode of Superwoman Wellness, remember you can rate and review it and share it with your friends. I will see you guys next time. Thank you so much for joining us.